This is AgriPulse Open Mic. On this edition of Open Mic, we feature a conversation between AgriPulse's Spencer Chase and Canadian Minister of Agriculture, Lawrence McCauley. AgriPulse Open Mic is brought to you by Syngenta. Syngenta Products and Services, helping farmers increase their return on investment. AgriPulse Open Mic continues with Canadian Ag Minister Lawrence McCauley next. Commodity prices remain under pressure. That's why now, more than ever, farmers are focused on their return on investment. More and more, farmers depend on Syngenta products and services designed to increase their ROI. See the Syngenta Seed Innovations, made for better ROI. This is AgriPulse Open Mic. Canadian Agriculture Minister Lawrence McCauley oversees the ag industry and one of the most important trading partners for many U.S. producers. While U.S. agriculture finds itself in tough times, McCauley paints an optimistic picture for Canada's ag sector. Well, it stands very well indeed. Our farmers are, of course, farmers are professionals, and they understand quite clearly that agriculture is front and center because we are going to have to produce more food for the world. And simply, it, it opens markets worldwide. And our government has uh, indicated quite clearly that it's one of the industries that is going to improve our GDP, and we're making major investments in in the sector in agriculture and agri-food to make sure that we export um, $75 billion worth of agriculture and uh, agri-food products by 2025, and we will reach that and hopefully more. So there's great optimism. As you know, the demand for protein worldwide is continuing to expand, and I want to make sure that some of our farmers uh, benefit from that. And, of course, here, uh, there's no reason why all of North America cannot uh, benefit from this. We talk a lot about the mutual relationship between the United States and Canada, as well as Mexico, and uh, the three countries recently renegotiated a trade agreement, but the Trump administration has placed uh, Section 232 tariffs on imported steel and aluminum. Uh, there's been a lot of discussion between the United States and Canada on this issue, but my question for you is, if these tariffs remain in place, can the Canadian government be expected to act and move toward ratification of the agreement? Well, of course, uh, we're an open trade, free trade country, and we uh, find that, uh, of course, uh, 232 is an impediment to agriculture in particular, and it it certainly takes money out of farmers' pockets instead of putting money in the pockets, and I don't think it's been a major asset in any way, anywhere. It is a very difficult situation. It's an issue that we've dealt with. Uh, Sonny uh, Perdue and my colleague from Mexico, uh, he understood quite clearly that this was nothing but a, a difficulty in the sector. When the agreement was first rolled out, there was a little bit of consternation uh, in your country, as I'm sure you know, about some of the dairy language and some of the concessions that uh, were or were viewed as concessions to the United States. As, the, as things sit right now, how would you assess the popularity or the receptivity within the Canadian dairy sector to the USMCA agreement? Well, without a doubt, the dairy industry was disappointed. I mean, we lost some of our uh, quota, and that was quite difficult. And um, the government has indicated quite clearly that we're going to fully and, and fairly co- compensate the dairy farmers in our country, and we will do that. Without a question, there's uh, great opportunities ahead, too, for the dairy industry. But it was one industry that was hit in the trade deal and was hurt. And uh, as I said before, we will fully and fairly compensate the dairy industry for their losses. 
what does full and fair compensation look like that is still in accordance with World Trade Organization requirements? Well, of course, like anything else, I want to make sure that it comes from the bottom or whatever way you look at it. It's very important that it comes from the sector itself. We put groups in place. We appointed groups in order to discuss this issue and put a package in place. And that is uh, being done at the moment and will be presented to government. And uh, we hope that we will be, we know that we will fully and fairly compensate the farmers. But again, and the processors. But it's important that uh, it comes from the farmers and processors. And that's what's taking place. Is there enough support within, as you assess it, support within the country of Canada to push USMCA toward ratification? Well, of course, we understand quite well. I mean, without a a quadruple trade in less than a quarter of a century, it uh, put a lot of money in the pockets of farmers right across North America. I think I don't think I know the agricultural sector is fully aware of how important the revised NAFTA is, and uh, and without a doubt, it's it's well accepted. But there are problems, and there always will be problems. And we have to deal with the problems as they come forward, and we are. Speaking of problems, there's been some interpretation on, on Capitol Hill here in Washington, uh, some potential concerns about maybe uh, some House Democrats, some Senate Democrats calling for some renegotiations of some of the environment and labor provisions within the agreement. Should those suggestions come to a full-throated demand from United States Democrats, how should the United States expect the Canadian administration to respond? Well, of course, the Canadian administration has and will follow the guidelines of the trade deal for sure, and we always have. Uh, But I wouldn't want to speculate on what might or might not happen if certain groups do certain things. Uh, It's a big enough a job to deal with the issues that they come forward without speculating what might happen if something happened. But without a doubt, we've indicated quite clearly and have always done, um, follow the rules, and that's important. And in fact, that was part of a lot of discussions here in other areas in, in the regulatory process and many other areas in, in the egg sector, not only within our countries, but for export. The United States was uh, once part of the Trans-Pacific Partnership. That changed when President Donald Trump was inaugurated into office. But Canada and the rest of the countries have moved forward and formed the, the CPTPP. As we sit and look at the very early stages of the agreement, how, how do you think it's working for Canada's producers? Oh, well, without a doubt, it's, uh, we were one of the first six to sign, and it's, uh, it's an opportunity for our farmers. But as you say, it's, it's in the initial stages, but it, again, uh, opens opportunities, and our farmers are fully in, capable of taking on the task. But also, they have a government in place that wants to make sure that they have the, uh, the technology and everything that's needed in order to produce. We have to produce more on the same amount of, of land. I used a comparison today when when I was young, we grew potatoes. If you grew 300 bushel to the acre, that was a good crop. Today, if you don't grow 400, 100 weight to the acre, it's not a good crop. That's what goes on in the world. That's what we have to do. And we have to continue to expand, continue to make sure not only that we have the proper seeds, that we have seeds that use less water and that first, and, uh, and that the fertilizer is consumed by the plant to make sure that the waste uh, and waste in food is another issue that we have to de- are dealing with in our country, and I expect you will in this country. A lot of food wasted, but what we have to do is make sure that we give the farmers the tools to produce the products that we need to export. I've said today, and I've said many times, I believe it's a moral obligation that we do that. 
because as Sonny said when he was speaking this morning, you know, the population, and we all know this, in about 30 years will be just under 10 billion people. They need to eat like you and I do. Somebody's going to provide it. There's no reason why North America cannot, working together, provide a lot more food to the world community and put more money in the pockets of, of farmers right across North America. That's what I want to see happen. It's widely viewed that an increase in food production needs to be or can be achieved through an increase in technology, but that increase in technology has been met with regulatory barriers around the world. What do you see as the role of Canada and the role of similarly aligned governments in addressing some of those regulatory barriers to the increased use of technology within agriculture? Well, you're, of course, talking about barriers that uh, are put in place. Uh, science-based regulatory system is a system that works. It works worldwide. You have something to base your, if you ship something and you have it certified with a science-based um, regulatory system and there's difficulty, you have something to go back on. If you, uh, what I do not call science-based regulatory system is a country claim and they have science-based system and then vote on it. I might be a politician, but I'm not a scientist. We have to go by the information scientists give us. Then we have something to base our decisions on. I preach that around the world. Everywhere I speak around the world, I bring that up. And it's so important that the world adopts this science-based regulatory system. It's proper and fair for everybody. Shifting to market opportunities for Canadian agricultural products, I understand there's a new initiative within within your country, $50.3 million over five years for Canadian uh, agricultural st- strategic exports. What can you tell us about that program and what you hope to see it accomplish? It's basically niche markets to give farmers that are probably not growing as large crops an opportunity to open markets for themselves. Um, like the organic farmers, the, the organic uh, standards, that's a prime example. That's where the funds came from in order to update our organic standards in our country. And that's so vitally important. We have to be aligned with the organic standards in your country, and we have to be aligned with the organic standards worldwide. That's just one example of what this fund can be used for. Other areas, niche markets, it's very important. Uh, but uh, this market is expanding uh, fast. The organic market is growing continually, and the standards are vitally important, and, and we're doing that. And at this point, it's a five-year commitment. Is that potential to be renewed toward the end of this current commitment? Oh, well, it just started the five-year commitment. I uh, have nothing to announce five years down the road, uh, but uh, it's important, and I expect probably it would be. It needs to be. We have to continue to produce. You and Secretary Purdue, as well as your, the Mexican counterpart that you mentioned earlier, seem to have a little bit cozier relationship than folks maybe in your previous roles have had, at least publicly. How do you assess the relationship that you have with Secretary Purdue and, and why you think it might be beneficial for, for these two neighboring countries to have their top agricultural officials be as friendly as the two of you appear to be? Well, Sonny Purdue is a personal friend of mine, and that just happened. Of course, I did not know the man, but it's an... It's pretty easy to appreciate a man like Sonny Perdue. He's interested in the agricultural sector, his beliefs on regulatory process, his beliefs on trade, his belief on open trade. He and I are certainly on the same page in all of that. Plus the fact he's a very decent human being and a pleasure to be with. All of that makes it pretty easy. I got to know Sonny and his wife Mary pretty well. He visited Prince Edward Island. He met a lot of our people and... I met my wife, Frances, and I, and 
Without a doubt, yes. The agricultural sector at the ministerial level is pretty tight between Canada and the U.S. We've recently heard of an agrodiversity program you discussed with a panel of women in agriculture before our conversation started. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? The women in agriculture are so vitally Of course it's important. It's something that has to be tapped into more so, but we've started right at the very top. Half of the Prime Minister Trudeau's cabinet are women. We're encouraging more women appointments. We want more women in boardrooms, and it's progressing very well. And that's just part of what we're doing. It's right and fair. So how does the initiative work? Are there incentives or something like that? There's as many qualified women around as there are qualified men around. It's just something that had to be done in a proper manner. I always use the example of my wife, Frances, and I. We grew potatoes and milk cows on Prince Edward Island. The day I was elected, she delivered a cab and loaded a 16-wheeler. She can drive a combine. And she also, uh, I told the story about we were, the Prime Minister's office invited me to uh, dine with the Queen and her husband, the Queen of England, and a number of other people. And I... Um, inappropriately uh, declined. And uh, I was uh, given call back to say you don't decline when the Prime Minister's office asks you. So I asked, I uh, said, if my wife and I go, will you make sure my wife's hand is in the Queen's hand? Shaking hands. They did. She can drive a 16-wheeler, she can drive a combine, and she can dine with the Queen. So that's simply, and many, many other women the same, and men. But it's just... uh, we are very open in our country and want to make sure that this is done in this manner. Minister McCauley, we certainly want to thank you for joining us on Open Mic. As is tradition, it is Open Mic, and you have the last word. Oh, I would just like to say how, uh, number one, uh, and it's funny, I was talking to the, uh, your ambassador to Canada, and she said it was just, she thought it might have been a kind of a cliche or something that Canada was their best friends. What she found out when she got up there, what Canadians think of Americans uh, I mean, not only are we intertwined in business, we're intertwined in family, and we're just totally intertwined. When you look on the family side, you can't get around that. If you've got a relative here, you have to like them pretty well. But just in the cow-calf operation, you take from the time the calf is born until the meat lands on the plate, it could be across the border four or five times. That's simply how it works. The automotive industry, same thing. There's just so much uh, that happens. We're just so intertwined. And it's so valuable for our countries. That's why we. Uh, it's meant to create wealth. And my job, my specific job, is to help farmers do better and be, put money in their pockets. But the new NAFTA will put money in the pockets of all people in North America. We just want to make sure that we have open trade with no barriers, no tariffs. Our thanks to Canadian Minister of Agriculture, Lawrence McCauley, our guest this week on Open Mic. AgriPulse Open Mic is brought to you by Syngenta, Syngenta Products and Services, helping farmers increase their return on investment. Looking ahead, follow AgriPulse.com for coverage of this week's Commodity Classic in Orlando, and be sure to register for the third annual AgriPulse Ag and Food Policy Summit coming March 18th at the National Press Club in Washington. Learn more at agripulse.com.